We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast, where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media, including our Patreon account, where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Really excited about this one. This is my episode. Last time we got to talk about receivers, which are, you know, Tyler's becoming a bit more of a trench guy, but wide receiver definitely is Alex's favorite episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the offensive tackles, the hog mollies. So really excited about that. Thank you for joining us and joining me to talk about these offensive tackles are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, tried to request my PTO for this episode, but uh, didn't the paperwork didn't go through. So uh, here, here we are. We're going to talk and rank at the top ten tackles, and I'm. I know Stephen will talk a lot more than me on this one, but uh, I'm excited <laughs> to get into it. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited as well because I feel like Alex uh, will be able to be a little bit more objective than I am you know there are certain takes that I'm going to be very passionate about uh in terms of draft Twitter so I don't know if Alex is as in tune there as I was so it's gonna be interesting to see how that all pans out um Tyler is here as well Tyler how you doing man I'm doing very well and you're right the more I get older and the fatter I get the more into <laughs> offensive linemen I I get I like I I really do like watching trench film it's a lot of fun they're typically always involved so can't wait to discuss this Steven how are you I'm doing good, man. It's been a, a crazy week at work, but uh, had to scramble and get these offensive tackles raked, and I'm excited to talk about them. So uh, before we do, I just want to give everyone a PSA. Like, let's let's calm down a little bit, okay? There's uh, three weeks until free agency. Just because a certain writer from a certain company who shall not be named says that the Chargers are not going to be aggressive doesn't really mean anything. So uh, before you lose your minds about you know, free agency, there's still three weeks left. A lot can change. A lot is going to change. So don't freak out just yet. You can freak out in three weeks from now. But right now, just take a deep breath. 
I have no comments about that company. I don't know what you're referring <laughs> to. Uh, they're not being sued right now or anything, so we're not going to talk about. Yeah, yeah uh, I I bet that happened on Chargers Twitter today. Wouldn't know. Don't know. <laughs> all I'm saying is just calm down. We still got a lot of time. Um, all right, let's uh, let's dive right in. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, we're, we'll talk about our our draft offensive tackle rankings. Um, obviously the Chargers have a big need at right tackle, left tackle, not so much. Thankfully, thankfully this year, we don't have to talk about both tackles. So, um, Tyler, before we jump in to our specific rankings, what are your thoughts in general about this tackle class? Well, there's three really good tackles and then a massive cliff. And I feel like last year there was just this nice little tailoring off as you went. That's why so many fans were like, Hey, we can get a guy in the second round at offensive tackle. So let's take a wide receiver at 13. This year, even the guys that are going to be there at 49, I'm not super comfortable with. So I would love for them to take a guy in free agency. So this isn't a problem. It's not a terrible group. Like there are some, there's some depth and there's some guys that we'll talk about that kind of fit like five through 10 that I like. It's just like, I don't love them. And I think I liked last year's class a lot more. Yeah. Last year's class was definitely more top heavy or, or this year's class is more top heavy. I should say. Um, I feel like the amount and volume of the second tier is probably a little bit better. I feel like last year, you know, you had Derisaw, you had Sam Cosme, at least for me, Alex Leatherwood for whatever that's worth. And, and then after that, it was, it was kind of a big drop off. I think this year you have the big drop off and then you have really, I think like nine or eight or nine tackles that have a legitimate argument for being in that second tier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we'll dive into a little bit of that. But Alex, your your general thoughts on this group uh, as you were preparing for this episode today? Yeah, I generally agree with what Tyler said. I mean, you kind of have uh, Neil Aquanu and Cross at the top, probably three guys the Chargers don't really have any chance to get, and then you're kind of taking flyers on guys if you're looking at the 17th pick, right? Some people have talked about like Trevor Penning at 17. Some people have talked about, you know, other tackles potentially you could just like fit in there as like, well, let's get that position. But in the first round, to me, it feels kind of reachy. Um, and I just don't feel like, you know, unlike last year where you could get, uh, you know, Slater at uh, 13 or you could get uh, Sewell a little bit higher or even Darasaw Jenkins, guys that were still on the board later. Um I just don't think that's the case this year to get kind of like a plug and play guy that can just go in kind of on day one and ball out. Uh, And so to me, that's the reality with this tackle class. So I think you're drafting a guy that uh, is probably not going to start from day one. I think you probably have to solve that in free agency, solve that in some other way. And then you're probably drafting a tackle or, you know, guards and centers who we'll talk about later. um, And then, uh, you know, try to hope that you can kind of develop those guys, um, like that that's been their philosophy and i think it's even more their philosophy this year in a draft that has much less top heavy talent and much worse bottom half talent yeah uh, you know it, it really is going to be interesting i feel like you know uh daniel popper in his free agency article seemed to indicate that solving the right tackle position would be a draft problem and i i think that's probably reaching like if you're sitting there at 17 and you're taking one of these smaller school guys, which we'll talk to or talk about, excuse me. Um, I just don't know how I feel about that. And so um, he also seemed to indicate that, you know, Storm Norton, a restricted free agency will have a chance to challenge for that position. 
I don't really know how much I buy that at this point. Um, you know, of course, we'll see in a few weeks if they tender him or not. But I, I think my approach in terms of solving the right tackle really is, you know, dra- go sign a veteran free agent, whether that's, you know, Dennis Kelly or, you know, uh, Popper thro- floated the idea of a Bobby Massey signing, which I would kind of hate. But, you know, I, I think Morgan Moses probably is a little too expensive for them, given the other needs. But Go sign a veteran that can hold the fort for a year, draft one in the third, fourth rounds, and kind of see where you're at next year. Hopefully, you know, Hymas or the the rookie or the free agent class gives you kind of a better answer. But I think this year where the Chargers are drafting, I just think it's a I think it's kind of you're you're aiming for a bridge starter at this point. And I, I you know, we'll dive in a little bit, like I said, but I just don't feel great about the possible solutions for the future coming out of this season. Yeah, I could see right tackle being the solution in the, excuse me, the draft being the solution to right tackle. I just don't want to go into it without one. At this point last year, the Chargers did go into the draft though with just Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins as their left tackle options, right? Yeah. So I guess it is possible. And and they actually haven't cut Balaga yet. I don't think they're going to keep him. But, I mean, they, they could go with Norton and Pipkins again uh, as into the draft and just see, hey, if we can find a guy, we can find a guy. If not, it's going to be one of those two. Oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> well, I would say, like, it, the draft can be a solution for them at right tackle, but only because their right tackles right now are Norton and Pipkins. <laughs> like, it, it can be a solution because those are the guys. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I expect them to add – somebody somehow you know i i can't imagine that they'll hand norton the spot right away and then even then like you you need to have more bodies so i don't know i i'm still hopeful that they add a veteran draft kind of a you know a high miss version of right tackle this year obviously not in the fifth round but um yeah so that being said we're going to dive into these rankings uh we're going to do it a little bit different in terms of formatting our episode we're going to do 10 through 7, and then 6 through 4, and then 3 through 1. I feel like that's kind of a, a better split. Um, and I get to go first today. So really excited about this one. Um, that being said, number 10 for me is Nicholas Petit Frere. I honestly don't know how to say that last name. The offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Um, listed at 6'5", 315 pounds. He is a true junior. At number nine, I have Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle slash guard. We'll see kind of how that one pans out. But uh, he's coming out of Louisiana Lafayette. He's 6'5 and three quarters and a very light 299 pounds. Darian Kennard is number eight for me. Uh, offensive tackle out of Kentucky. Possible guard convert. We'll talk about that in a second. He's listed at 6'4 and three quarters and 324 pounds. Uh, and then Daniel Falele. The massive human being out of Australia and Minnesota University is seven for me. He's listed at a whopping six, eight, and one eighth, and 387 pounds, according to the senior bowl. So um, that's my 10 through seven. I think for the Chargers' sake, I think Max Mitchell is really the one to keep an eye on and, and kind of monitor that progress. Um, so he was a three year starter for the University of Louisiana. He started at three different spots, including both tackle spots and right guard. Um, So there's a lot of versatility there. We know that the Chargers kind of have valued that trait over the last couple, well, really the last season under Brandon Staley. Um, I feel like they're 
kind of trying to train Brendan Hymas to be that kind of player. Um, you know, we'll see how, how that development goes. But uh, Max Mitchell's versatility really was on display at the Senior Bowl as well, where he took reps mm-hmm. at all four spots except for center. Um, so that's that's a trait I really like. I really like just high football IQ, being able to pick up stunts, being flexible on the line, um, and, and really demonstrating, you know, a functional athleticism, you know, at, at those positions. So I think he can hold up really well at any of those positions. If he's going to play, you know, starter minutes in the NFL, he's, of course, going to have to bulk up. You cannot play offensive line in the NFL at 299 pounds. Uh, so that's kind of why I, I have him down here, but yeah. uh, really like his athleticism, really like his fluidity and explosiveness out of his stance. Um, I think he's going to be penciled into a zone blocking space blocking scheme as opposed to a, you know, gap kind of scheme uh, scheme, excuse me. But I, I really like what I see from Max Mitchell. I like his competitive competitiveness, of course, mentioned his versatility. And so I think he would be kind of my my choice if I had to right now in terms of uh, day th- or not day three round three target somebody that I think could come in and and provide some offensive uh, versatility that way be a bit of a project like I said two hundred ninety nine pounds is is not great but you know I really like what I see on tape I really like the techniques that I see it's just you know that frame needs some work but. Overall, I'm a big fan of Max Mitchell. Yeah, me too. I'm a real big Max Mitchell fan. I was going through some of these tackles and I was getting to some non-mover guys. So like Andrew Stuber, who's maybe going to be a guard or Kellen Deesh or however you say his name from Arizona State. But I got to Mitchell and finally somebody was able to move. And I, I do think I have a preference for, for guys that that can move. And part of our grading system does favor, you know, second level mobility and, and whatnot and obviously footwork. Um, yeah. Like you said, though, him being 299, he definitely looks like it. There's a guy later that yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to talk about. That's um, Spencer Burford. He's a guy that I didn't realize he was 6'3". Uh, he, he, I'm like, wow, this guy looks really squatty for a guy that's supposed to be about the same height, same way. But he's 6'3". Whole other thing. Uh, but Max Mitchell, I did really like him. Like you said, high IQ guy. I could just tell with the way he picked up stones. And also just always keeping his head on a swivel and helping out his guard next to him. I love seeing that. Um, but then, yeah, the, the obvious negative is just that he's not that big. I do love like his strike, but sometimes when defenders are you know faster to get their hands on him, he just can't anchor down. He just can't win because he's just not that strong yet. So it's not really his thing. Burford is someone who is better at that. But again, the IQ, the fact that he can play anywhere. There was a game where he was the extra tackle. He was the left tackle. He was the right tackle. Yeah. And he looked very comfortable at all of them. So he's a round three target that I would really, really like. And even if they... I wouldn't take him in round two, but if for some reason they had traded back in round two for whatever reason, I wouldn't mind him there either as much. Um, he, he's a good player. I like him. Yeah, so, I, like, I was gonna say just go ahead, yeah, Alex. Take, on the Mitchell thing. Uh, I like quite a bit. His movement's really good, and kind of had the questions of like, well, you know, we played for Louisiana, and now you know, kind of the whole competition thing. But the Senior Bowl is kind of the greatest uh, equalizer of all that. Did great there, um, and you know kind of kind of boosted himself really i think into like at least the top tier of the day three guys uh really great with his movement like you guys have said and and particularly just like quick feet like fluid mover um when you watch him and uh you know i was really impressed tyler and you know he posted that whole you know side hug where you know you just watch him switching all the time uh and i thought that was really impressive between guard and all these bots jumbo packages whatever whatever the team needed 
uh, at any point. And so seeing that kind of versatility for a guy like Max Mitchell, I, I thought was just really impressive. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of his. Like I said, I feel like that utility ability is is so valuable, especially for a team like the Chargers that just needs, you know, functional starters. And I think he can definitely be that. I think the other one to to kind of note, it's really been a, a journey for me and Daniel Falele. It's been really up and down. <laughs> um, you know, I think if you watch his, if you just watch his Ohio State tape, yeah, really, you're looking at like a first round tackle. Like he mm-hmm. dominated that team and, you know, Tyreek Smith and all these other edge rushers for Ohio State that have given problems to a lot of different offensive tackles couldn't do anything against Daniel Falele. Of course, that was the first game of the season. Um, So I I think the more that I watched, the more that he kind of leveled off, um, you know, of course, that that weight and that size is no joke, right? And that really is kind of my big concern there. Um, He really, I think, probably needs to get to like 370, 375, which is kind of crazy to, to say out loud. But um, you know, I, I think the issue with his size is just that he doesn't have that natural, you know, explosiveness going backwards, right? Like you watch him run blocking situations and he just goes downhill in a hurry and he is very explosive going forwards. But, you know, when he's asked to deep set against a speed rusher, he really opens up so much because he's so worried about somebody bending and turning the corner that's where he gets in trouble and somebody can some an advanced pass rusher can, you know, of course, counter back inside and then get after the quarterback that way. So he's got some technique issues. I'm a little worried about his frame, but his good is really freaking good. Like he is able to execute, you know, and, and win in a variety of ways. He can snatch, he can long arm, he can uh, jab. So he can do a lot of different things. And that was kind of surprising to me considering he's only played football for four years in his life. Uh, First year of his football career was as a senior at IMG Academy. So there's a lot of untapped potential there, but I I can't see him being a fit for the Chargers given the way that they kind of value the mobility and athleticism uh, and, frankly, that utility that I was talking about. Um, But in terms of just the draft overall, man, like he's such an intriguing player because you look at his good tape and it's dominant. And then, you know, he's got some really bad tape out there, too. So that's kind of a potential placement for me. Um, but just somebody that I think is is so interesting because we don't really see people's size be effective in the NFL. You know, Orlando Brown is it's kind of an outlier. So mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting to see where he lands. If he ends up with the Patriots or the Ravens, I feel good about his future. Exactly. They have a history of, of developing those kind of players. I think that fits his skill set but he's going to be put in a box just because of his size for sure. Yeah. I just started watching George Karloftis from Purdue. And one of his first games was one of Daniel Falele's first games. And of course, Karloftis comes into the league at Purdue as a lanky little freshman. And here's Falele when he first comes in at six, nine, 400 pounds. And the size difference between an edge and a tackle could not have been different. Um, and Falele held up pretty well against Karloftis. So credit to him there. I like him. I have him a little bit higher. And I'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, that, that Ohio State tape, that's part of the reason that of the perceived like second tier big three, again, you know, up to interpretation, he's that one Ohio State game was probably the best single game one of those big three had versus like a good opponent. And so there's a lot there too. like uh, the senior bowl was a little bit rough. That first day was so rough. Again, the one on ones, they're not really 
it's not built in their favor. But it was tough to see really all those guys, but Philele in particular, get pushed backwards. And, you know, I get some things like him you know, oversetting and him getting beat back inside or whatever, or someone's faster around the edge or something. But I didn't expect him to get pushed back as much as he was. So it's definitely a work in progress. If he's a day one starter, it's just because he's big enough and you can run the ball a lot. The Ravens, I'm sure, yeah. would love to run the ball with this guy. But, you know, if he went for the Chargers in the second round, I guess he could start day one. But him giving us some time as well to develop, maybe get that weight under control would be good for him. Yeah, I mean, I think Daniel Falele is just one of the biggest guys um, in the draft. Just the sheer size of him is just crazy to watch on tape uh, and, you know, plays like every bit of it. The, the Yeah, I think the senior bowl was kind of the thing that kind of made me hitch on him just because it's like, okay, well, you know, he's kind of getting beat by like not crazy technique moves either. It was just like, well, this guy just kind of beat him around because, you know, he's 6'9", 400 and this guy was faster than him around the edge. Right. Yeah. So I think that's sort of the thing going forward where um, that's something he'll need to work on in the NFL. But I, I do have him a little bit higher on this list just because of like the potential. Right. Um, also the fact that like he, he is still young, hasn't like I, he hasn't been playing football for very long. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, he's pretty recent to the game as well. Yeah. Uh, obviously coming from Australia. Right. Uh, kind of the my lot of experience there. Uh, in that regard so i uh will be interested to see kind of where we all have him on this list obviously steven's a little lower on him i imagine me and tyler are a little higher on him but i think also what the perception of him will be amongst Mm -hmm. nfl gms will be interesting too um just because all of that size and power is great but it's like can you kind of refine the technique a little bit uh, if he does, then like you could make the argument, like Steven said at points, that he looks like a top four tackle in this class. Yeah, yeah the difference I... between like Steven and I, it's, it's not quite the same player, but like I feel like I was a little higher on Darisaw than Steven was. I'm not saying they're even the same player, but kind of bigger guys, a little bit slower guys, not exactly a jump set, quick on your footwork kind of guy. So that's, that kind of reminds me of that. Sorry, Steven. No, you're you're fine. I was just going to say, I feel like like I really wish that he would have shown up lighter you know, at, yeah, at the senior bowl, um, you know, Darian Kennard lost 20 pounds for the senior bowl. He was listed at 345 mm-hmm. and showed up at 325 to the senior bowl. And so I don't know how much weight Daniel Falele is going to be able to lose between the senior bowl at the end of January to the combine, which is next week. But like if he shows up at 387, like he's going to be off several teams boards just because mm-hmm. of that. Like I think teams look at somebody like Makai Becton, who's kind of struggled with his weight a little bit. You know, Makai, I think is six, seven. So he's a few, couple inches shorter, I think. Um, but he, like, he's going to have to keep, keep that down. Like I said, I feel like his ideal weight would be like three seventy. you know, because he is so big, but you know, I, I, I personally can't see the chargers taking him. I just don't think he would be a scheme fit because of his athletic limitations, but mm-hmm. um, we'll see. So, uh, let's get to Alex. Alex, we'll do your 10 through 7 uh, and then kind of your standouts there. Yeah, um, I'm only going to really do one standout from 10 to 7 because me and Steven have a very similar 10 through 8. Uh, I have Darian yeah. Conard at 10. I have Max Mitchell at 9. I have uh, Nick Petit Frere from Ohio State at 8. Where I have a bit of a difference here is I have Penn State's Rashid Walker um, at 7 in this ranking. Um, I think his story is pretty interesting just to 
little background. He played in three different offensive line systems at Penn State and had two different offensive line coaches. When people talk about some of his inconsistencies on the field, I think that that's something that could certainly contribute to it. Um, Penn State also runs kind of like a lot of power-based run game. Uh, so, you know, obviously his run block is a little bit ahead of his pass blocking, but he kind of peaked a little bit as a pass blocker this year too. I thought he had some interesting moments uh, on tape, particularly his game against Aiden Hutchinson. Um, it, it's kind of a fun yeah. watch. Uh, so he's he's got a lot of those moments too amongst those some of those inconsistencies. He's very young as well. Um, and so I, I just like his ability to kind of, you know, be physical uh, and, you know, kind of be there sort of in the run game as well. Uh, I don't think he's a guy that can start from day one. <laughs> I don't think there's many of those guys like we've talked about that uh, are really after the top three, top four in this class. But I think if you take a swing on him on day three uh, or even maybe later on day two, it would just kind of be interesting to see what do. I don't think he can start from the beginning, though. Um, but he's got like all the tools you kind of wanted to tackle and you kind of just got to put him in like the right situation. And the Chargers have been developing offensive linemen very well. Uh, I, I mean, I, well, for the last year <laughs> um, under Frank Smith prior to that, not so great. Uh, but, you know, they, they do have this culture now to be able to develop it. Maybe not like some of the other teams Steven mentioned when it comes to prospects earlier. But I, I just think there's like the natural talent he has uh, and then, you know, sort of his potential slash like skill set. I think that there's kind of a coaching staff that can bring that out of him. So uh, I do have Penn State's Rashid Walker, even though he struggled in 2021, I, I do still think there is something for him kind of uh, in, at the pro level. Uh, and I think a team can get that out of him. So he's kind of my standout because he's really the only one I had different than Steven. He's at seven for you. Yes. Oh, okay. So for some reason I thought that he was eight. Uh, yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan. There's a couple of things that I do. First off, I will say regarding liking him, Duke Manyweather and Brandon Thorne both pitched him as a guy that you should keep yeah. an eye on as a late second, early third guy whose traits you want to gamble on. And I totally would understand that. Um, I just wasn't a huge fan. I was actually, I'm not surprised, but I was, I guess I was kind of surprised that Steven was too. Like for some, I thought I was just kind of a curmudgeon you know, didn't like him sort of thing, like, eh, you know, and it's just sometimes that happens. But for Steven, not like him either. I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something, Um, you know, there's some weird, if you try to Google his injury, there's something about an undisclosed injury. Duke Manyweather yeah. suggested it was a knee or, or Brendan Thorne suggested it was some sort of knee or it's like a bone bruise. That's kind of weird. I don't know much about that. And then, you know, got to bring it up. And this will probably inevitably take him off to Lesko's board if there was ever there. He, either, he did steal a bike in, in 2018 because he was too lazy to walk home. So on campus, he stole someone's bike. And I don't know uh, if that would take him off his board, man. <laughs> I think stealing. You know what? I'm going to move Telesco. him up. I'm going to move him up to six <laughs> after hearing the steal the bike story. I, you know what? Does he not put the shopping cart back either? I like a mean <laughs> Listen, man, like Telesco, you know, he dealt with Tillery. Listen, the only guy who took a chance on who had character issues with Tillery. And that didn't work out. So you know what? Maybe it's just <laughs> bikes are drawing the line. Maybe so. the problem is that Tillery didn't steal enough bikes and it, it really <laughs> where he needs to be today. Yeah, should have worked on his bend to steal those bikes. Um, yeah, it's just like he definitely has when his hands work, when his punch works, I think they're very good. It's just if the defender's plan is to engage quickly, beat his punch, or attack his his hands, you know, like that jump and chop, he runs into problems and you know, I, sometimes that hand punch is good. It's, it's how he knocked out Hutchinson, I think, a couple of times. Had some wins versus Ojabo. But for the most part, the guys that I watched him play, 
And granted, he it's unfortunate because it's, he does have to face very good pass rushers in his conference, sure. but it just wasn't pretty. So the injury being weird, I'm not going to really knock him for stealing a bike, but like you're an asshole for doing that. Um, <laughs> and also, yeah, he kind of, he just, he got kind of destroyed, unfortunately, by the guys that I watched. Um, Just not my favorite guy. He's actually out of my top 10. Yeah, he, he's not in my top 10 either. If he played through a knee injury though, you know, I, I'll put knee 2020 back on the list. Bike theft, you got to yeah. put him in number nine now. I'll uh, I'll put him back on the list just because if he if Brandon Thorne and Duke Manning whether say there's something there I think that obviously carries a lot of weight. Those two are of course you know the gurus of all gurus. You know I'm I'm wearing the the OL Masterminds sweatshirt today for for Duke. Um, but if there is something there, I'll go back and watch some 2020 tape and, and see. But if he's playing through a knee injury, I think that makes sense. I didn't really see a ton of explosiveness out of his stance or in his sets or anything like that. Um, so yeah, he's not in my top 10, but I'll, I'll put him back on the list there. Um, somebody I think that is worth talking about. I've seen him mocked to the chargers quite a bit is of course, Nick Petit Frere out of Ohio state. Um, Alex, you have him a little higher than I do. You have an eight, right? I'm at 10. Um, Tyler, where do you have, uh, is he on your top 10? Uh, yeah, I, I tried so hard to get him off, but I couldn't. Because <laughs> he does, he does very good things. But he's number nine for me, so I'm between you guys. Okay, he's number nine. So Alex, you're the highest of us on uh, Petit Frere. What do you like about him? Um, no, I mean, I just think he's he's very like technically sound. I I I think like Tyler said, it's a thing where you want to like get him off your board, but you kind of can't because he sort of is like that technically sound guy where everything's right with him. Even though he's not, you know, he's not a 6'9", 400-pound guy who's, like, <laughs> going to come downfield or something like that. Um, I just thought he was very adept with his hands, kind of his striking as well. Yeah. Um, b- bit of an ability to kind of, like, get to the second level uh, pretty consistent, pretty consistently there, too, uh, when you watch him on tape. So, uh, not necessarily, like, a sexy pick, but I, I did have him there kind of for technical reasons. And... If, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, if you're looking for guys that are closer to being able to start on day one, he's probably one of those from five to 10 that has a realistic chance to do it. Yeah, I think in terms of this, you know, second, third tier, like I think he probably is the most technically advanced right now. Um, You know, he really has some good moments out there, particularly against um, Penn State. I thought he did pretty well. I know Tyler kind of thinks the opposite there, but. Um, you know, I think there is some technical ability there. I'm really curious to see how he tests, um, and and really kind of how he measures up there. And so I think if there's any spot for me that will have some movement, it's that spot number 10. Um, just because I, I, like, I'm really waiting to see how he tests more than anything, anybody else on this list for me. Um, Tyler, let's get to your 10 through seven. And then if we, if there's anybody you want to cover there, feel free. Yeah, it's kind of recycling the same group, unfortunately. So number 10, I do have Max Mitchell. He's a guy that I think could surpass the next couple of guys on this list. I just need to see him gain a little bit more weight, get a little stronger. But I do really, really like him. And number nine, I do have Nicholas Petit Freer, whatever, how the hell you say his last name. You ruined this for me, Stephen, because you're like, <laughs> oh, he gives me Alex Leatherwood vibes. And I was yeah. not a fan of Leatherwood. Yeah. And then I go to watch him and I'm like, oh, no. Like I, I kind of see it just... 
there's a certain lack of urgency I feel like that I yeah. see that it just has me worried. So, you know, I feel bad this guy's played. He's a very good, he's a good prospect, I think. But like, I have some questions that I, I feel like it's nitpicking, but then the sum of it all has him at nine for me. Um, at eight, I have Darian Kennard. Uh, seven, I'm going to steal this name. It's Abraham Lucas from Washington State. I was not even going to cover him because I didn't even know who he was. Uh, and then Steven says, hey, check this guy out. I mean, he's a top 100, you know, whatever player on TDN's board, but I just didn't have time. I found time, and I'm glad that I did. Uh, I think he, I'll let Steven talk about him more. But to me, just the smallest way I can describe how he did, for him to allow zero sacks and one quarterback hit all year and have only two pressures against USC and Oregon facing Kayvon Thibodeau and Drake Jackson, to yeah. me... I mean, that's a pretty good resume. Like his quarterback got touched once all year because of him. And that's pretty fantastic. Um, I would love to see him be a little bit stronger and anchor down a little bit better for someone who's that big. He has some of those same issues that like a Max Mitchell would. Um, I was surprised because he's six seven three nineteen, So maybe it's more of a leverage thing than a, like an anchor weight thing, I suppose. But, you know, he doesn't exactly move guys off the ball, but he's a guy you want in pass protection, clearly. And that's the most valuable thing an offensive tackle can do. And for him to be that good in pass pro against Thibodeau, against Jackson, you know, and a lot of one quarterback hit all year, I, I think he's a really, really solid prospect. So I have him at seven. And thank you, Stephen, for bringing me you know, towards him. Yeah, he was, he was a late ad for me. He was not really somebody that I was like super excited about or, or expecting a ton from, um, you know, like he was solid at the senior bowl i didn't think he was like a standout so he wasn't necessarily somebody that i was like okay i gotta go watch this guy like i gotta see what's up um and this the film really surprised me like you mentioned Kayvon thibodeau drake jackson those were the games that i watched as well and i i think that matters like you know he he's not in the sec of course or the big 10 where you're facing aiden hutchinson and and will anderson like all these guys every single week but the pac-12 has some really good rushers and i would throw you know, Mika Tafua from Utah in there in terms of being a tough cover for him. And, you know, Lucas did did well. I think his size doesn't necessarily translate to play strength. So I think that is a bit of a concern for me. So I have him at six. So this is it was a really good lead in. Um, and, you know, I think he's not going to be as powerful as Trevor Penning. He's not going to be as athletic as, you know, some of these other guys. He's not going to be Ika Mikwanu, of course. Um, but I, I think he's a functional run blocker. I think he fits perfectly for an outside zone scheme like the Chargers want to be. He's got great size. He's got, got great length. And I think he's just solid. Like he he does have some technique issues. I'm a little worried about the anchor as well. But his kind of resume and the way that he played against his best competition really stood out to me. Um, if you watch the Oregon Duck defense, you know that they move Thibodeau and um, I forget his first name, um, Sewell's, the, the younger Sewell brother, they move them around a ton and they do a lot of stunts. They do a lot of games. They mix in four man fronts. They mix in three man fronts. And Abraham Lucas just really handled everything that put him. Um, it looks like Tyler's having some mic issues, but uh, <laughs> he's good. Um, so just the way that he performed against his top competition really stood out to me. Like I said, you know, the play strength isn't great. Obviously, playing at Washington State, he didn't get a ton of run blocking reps. But I'm a big fan of him. And in a class where there's just a lot of questions, 
like I know what Abraham Lucas is going to be. I'm very confident that he'll be, you know, an average to above average starter. I feel comfortable with his floor. And I think that matters in this class. So I have him at six. Um, I have Bernard Raymond at five. It was very conflicted with how to rake him and putting a top five ranking on Bernard Raymond because I don't think that he's like a first round talent, but that's where I have him. I have him at five kind of speaks to that cliff that we were talking about. And then I have Trevor Penning at four. Um, again, another player that I've gone back and forth on and kind of speaks to the cliff, but um, that's my fourth or six. I have Penning four, Raymond five and Abraham Lucas six. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a certain player in this group that's not on another person's list. Uh, care to explain why you're not a fan of this player and why he's not on your list? Somebody else. <laughs> Bernard Raymond's not in my top ten. Um, I I didn't I didn't like him. Like I just I thought he was late with his hands a lot. Um, I thought he just we Tyler talked about that urgency a while ago, and I felt that that was you know kind of a thing for him too. You know, you also take into account the level competitions like i don't know yeah. i'm watching games against iu and kent state you know shout out antonio gates but um you know i <laughs> no, like i i just didn't think that was particularly intriguing and then we talk about him as prospects like all these guys we're talking about are like 21 22 23 he's gonna be 20 in his age 26 is when the season starts and like that's a concern for me so like i get yeah. the whole like you know he converted two years ago from tight end and like this is you know he does still like this theoretical limited ceiling but i just feel like guys are kind of tapped out at a certain point you know i mean for for a guy to be 26 he's gonna be 30 if you draft him in the first round by the end of his rookie contract i i have a lot of reservations about him um but yeah like I, i i do think there is something to him where you know like he does definitely have like impressive strength, particularly I, I would say strength from legs as well. Like he can definitely push people around, uh, particularly I would say in more so I would say in kind of like pass blocking situations a little bit. That was sort of his most impressive attribute. But I don't know. Like <laughs> I just had a hard time watching it and being like, yeah, this guy is going to be like your starter for 10 years because in 10 years he'll be like 85. But uh, <laughs> that that was a problem for me watching Bernard Ryman. And I get why people like him. Not a fan, though. Yeah, I, I think, like, you know, the, Daniel Jeremiah had the Chargers taking him at 17 in his first round mock draft. And it, it just was like a, a, it was a wild process for me because I'm like, oh, like, he's from Austria. Like, he's barely played any football. He was a former tight end. He was on Feldman's freak list. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, let's go. This guy is going to be awesome. And then I'm like, oh shit, he's 25. Like, I don't understand the first round hype for a player like this. And I'm on the same page with Alex there. That being said, like, I do like his tape a lot. I I think he does show good explosiveness. You know, one of the things that he's on Feldman's freaks list for is his 4.60 shuttle time. And that's a really freaking good time. And so I think you see that kind of athleticism on tape. I think you need some work in terms of the technique for sure. Like Alex was saying, I think the biggest thing there is that he gives up his inside shoulder way too often against rushers. And that leads to some leverage and bend issues. Trevor Penning also has that same issue to a larger extent. 
Um, and so uh, there are definitely some concerns for me about Bernard Raymond, but I think he is a, uh, I think he's above average in terms of the athleticism department, in terms of the explosiveness department. And I don't know, like I had to go in there thinking like, okay, he, you know, like he's not a first rounder. He's not a first rounder. And, and so I think that speaks to this class more than anything else, but I do like him. If the Chargers traded back in the first round and were able to grab a second, second round pick, I would be okay in that situation taking a shot on him in the second round. I'm definitely not taking him at 17. I'm definitely not taking him in the first round, but I, I just think the hype is a little too crazy. Like PFF threw out a Lane Johnson comparison for him. And I was like, hold on. Like, what are we doing here? So I I gave the comparison of Brady Christensen, you know, the BYU offensive tackle, very similar athletic metrics. Um, I think Raymond's a little bit better in that regard. He does hit the 33-inch threshold, and unlike Brady Christensen. So there is some stuff to like with Raymond, and I think we do need to, like, remind ourselves of that. It's just that the hype right now is way too rich for me. Yeah, when you mentioned the Lane Johnson comp, it's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? I know. Um, he does have good grip strength, and Lane Johnson sure put Chris Rumpf in clamps this uh, this past year. But, I mean, yeah, he's like people. what the people like about him, it's all kind of the same. He's a quick learner. You know, he just came here from Northern Austria. You know, look how good he is now. That's awesome. You know, he's, he's a good athlete. He's got good hands. I think he uses his length pretty well. He's He's generally pretty solid. And the mistakes that he makes, I just feel like, you know, it's a lack of repetition. You know, you, yeah. you whip on some block, run block here. You can't pick up this stunt here. And, you know, he had the worst senior bowl probably because it was just the most foreign to him. He just wasn't used to anything like that and just wasn't used to playing the position. So he had a really awful senior bowl, at least in terms of the one-on-ones, which again, they're not really set up to win those too much, but it was really bad from him. But yeah, the, the whole 25 thing and the first round hype and the Lane Johnson comp, the hype, the difference between how I feel like a lot of people on social media or like, you know, Daniel Jeremiah feels about him versus how I feel about him just feels like a, a really big gap. And I just feel like yeah. we're accepting that he's 25 and that's totally fine. And I just, or he's going to be 25. And I just, that that's really tough. Like he's, he's going to be what a year older than Herbert. He's probably a year younger than Derwin James. who got drafted four years ago. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like, uh, that's just a lot for me. And it, it, if he were like, Let's say he were like honestly like Abraham Lucas and you know and he were 22, then you know I could get that because you want to give him a couple of years. But by the time he becomes a good right tackle, even if that's just next year, you're still 26 at that point. You know he, he yeah. gets his new contract. He's 30. So unless we're playing Whitworth here, I just it's really tough to mark him any higher. My question for you guys is: If he were 21, would he have? For you, Steven, moved ahead of Penning, and then Alex, for you, would he be, he had made your top 10? Oh, I think, if, if, yeah, I think he would be in the top 10. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how high, probably in that 10 to 7 range, but yeah, I think he would be in there. I think he would have a higher grade for me. I, I don't think he would move ahead of Penning. I think those two are pretty neck and neck right now. Um, but, you know, you one of you guys can talk about Penning, but I, I, I think... Like it just in terms of sheer athleticism and strength, I think Penning has the edge there. And I think Raymond is slightly ahead of Abraham Lucas in that regard as well. Like I'm not necessarily concerned about the play strength for Bernard Raymond where I am, as I am for Lucas. So this trio was really tough for me to figure out. And I'm sure some of it will change after the combine. 
Um, but right now I think Raymond, like there is a lot to like about Raymond. It's just the age and the hype is, is really gotten out of hand. I just, I wish I liked him because my dad's side of the family is from Austria. This should be like the one player I like, but then I have to be watching this one being like, you have to remember he's not in the retirement home. You have to remember he's not in the retirement home. And it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, Alex, let's get to the players that you do like here. So let's get to your uh, six through four. All right. We will go to number six. I have Tulsa's Tyler Smith. Uh, number five, I do have Trevor Penning. And at number four, I do have Daniel. Uh, you know, Steven okay. Smur OT4 makes OT4 on my list. Uh, I'll talk about uh, Tyler Smith out of this group because he kind of reminds me of like, well, we'll talk about Aquanu later. But he's kind of like group of five Aquanu um, a little bit when I watch him. And I, I just think he actually, you know, a real comp would kind of be like, Tevin Jenkins last year like he just plays with like a real mean streak to him uh I you know like just the power he plays with uh as well um sometimes his hand placement I think gets a little dodgy and that can get him into trouble in some situations uh but I just think the skills kind of tools that he has there are just like too much uh you know and we did just talk about the age thing with Raymond but he's only 20 years old one of the youngest players in the class, also, yeah. you know, one of the biggest players as well. Uh, and I think his anchor is like kind of unquestionable. <laughs> like he 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 just has uh, a really good anchor compared to the guy, some of the guys on this list uh, in terms of what he can do. So for me, um, I, I you know I get what Steven says when he says you know he's a bit of a project. Like I don't think either you know, when we talk about guys five through 10 on this list that any of them are really capable of starting from day one. But for me, he's kind of the guy from that group that has the most upside, which is for, you know, the purposes of this list, why he landed at six. Uh, I also just think even though he has a stout anchor, like he also just has those quick kind of like nimble feet as well. Uh, And for me, uh, that's what I went with, with Tyler Smith. Uh, I do think, you know, he's not a guy that can start from day one, but uh, I, it was really good against you know all sorts of competition whether it was group of five or you know some of the other teams Tulsa played like he he was just really solid in my opinion so uh kind of in the vein of just being like really technically sound as well as having a lot of upside and a lot of potential yeah so Tyler Smith didn't make my top 10 I, I totally see the upside I totally see the athleticism he's somebody that I really wish would have stayed in school like I I think if he had stayed at Tulsa for another year, obviously reached his peak next year. Then we're talking about like a legitimate back end of the first round tackle, in my opinion. Um, I think his technique needs a lot of work. I think his leverage needs a lot of work. But, you know, the Ikami Kwanu light thing, I totally see as a run blocker. He is vicious. He's athletic. I think he, like I said, wish he stayed in school, elevated his stock. Granted, there are some people on Twitter who think that he should be a first rounder anyway. So maybe what do I know? But, you know, I think he, in terms of technique, there's a lot of work to be had there. Unfortunately, I have not watched him. He has a first round talent first name, but I have not watched him. (laughs) Very good. Tyler, let's get to uh, your six through four. Okay, my six through four. Number six is Bernard Raymond. We talked about him. Number five, I do have Daniel Falele. He is one of my guys in this draft, but 
I do have to acknowledge the the obvious issues. And then number four is Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. You know, this guy is the most bully of the group. And I, I even though with Aquanu, I do think he's Aquanu is a better finisher. Penning is more of a bully, if that makes sense. And yeah, and he he does check a lot of the boxes you want, right? Let's dominate weak competition. That mean streak, all that stuff is you want to see the athleticism, everything that stands out does to me it's just even though he's my number four like I again I don't feel great about him at four there's definitely those pad level issues and I was listening to Duke and and Brendan Thorne talk about it and they they had it perfectly obviously you know Duke says that he goes you know from straight down to straight up and over exaggerates that hip height and pad level and I totally see that and I think that was exacerbated at the senior bowl and I'm just a little worried that his dominance at his level which is great I'm worried it won't translate because he'll to the NFL because so much of the dominance I saw from him, especially when working to the outside, he able to just, you know, toss some guy to the ground or whatever. But I think when you go to the NFL and you have these true benders and true balance guys and yeah. really, really polished dudes, I don't know if I'll have all of those knockdowns that he did. He won't like, he won't have that many knockdowns, but like, I don't know if it'll translate all that well. And then again, each of these guys just has an asterisk where it's Falele and it's weight or Raymond. It's the age. Penning and it's the penalties. Penning gets penalties and it's, you know, 17 penalties or whatever it was in the last season at Northern Iowa. That's just not great. I, I didn't go through and chart. I, I wanted to, but I wanted to go back and chart where his penalties occurred, but you just can't have 17 of those. And I get that he's going to have, you know, that mean streak and that's great and all. And Duke doesn't seem to think that that's a, a huge deal. He wants him to keep that going. I don't know. It, it could strike me as a problem because if he goes to Baltimore, let's say, and Stephen and I have already talked about this, like if he goes to Baltimore and he has to face Miles Garrett, like Miles Garrett's not going to put up with that. And I am not going to find out, you know, how Trevor Penning survives that one because I just don't think that's going to go very well. So, you know, I think he's a, he's a talented player, which is good. He dominated his competition, which is good. That's why he made it to four. But there's still a lot of questions there. And unfortunately, of Penning, Philele, and Raymond, Nobody really stood out to me in a good way at the senior bowl. And so it's really hard to really separate those guys. But at the end of the day, Penning did separate and become my first of the second tier. Yeah, I think he played well at the senior bowl. And I think there are parts of his film that are really, really good. You know, you watch his film against Iowa State, for example, and, you know, they do the three, three, five bullshit that I hate so much. But, um, you know, I think that's legitimately good tape against good competition. The mean streak, I think, is is really something that wore on me. Like he is obsessed with being a bully and, you know, not in the way that like Ryan Jensen is where like Ryan Jensen draws people into penalties. Trevor Penning commits the penalties. So it's a big problem. You know, there are instances against North Dakota state where they're running, right. He's trying to cut off a backside linebacker and the linebacker kind of beats him to the spot. And instead of just like moving on or like trying to, you know, work his way around there, Penning just shoves the linebacker in the back. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, it, you know, that play that I'm talking about went for a loss. But if that play pops, you know, you're losing 10 yards because Penning is an asshole and he's also a dumbass at the same time. So, like, there are moments where I'm like, OK, like, I understand the passion. I understand the aggression. Let's not be reckless. You know, there's that clip of the senior bowl where he throws a defensive end into Desmond Ritter's knee. And if Ritter had gotten hurt, then, you know, that's Ritter's lifestyle right there. Like he already declared he can't go back to college. So that's Ritter's career right there on the line. And so 
I need Penning to like dial back and be smarter about it. I don't need him to like lose the aggression. It's great that you want to be mean, but you got to dial it back. Like if you go into the NFL with these kind of things and have 20 penalties or whatever, you know, more games and all that, that's a huge problem. Like, and it's not like Alex Leatherwood getting a bunch of false starts. It's a bunch of personal fouls blocking the backs, illegal clipping, like all these 10, 15 yard penalties. Like that's a huge issue for me. Yeah. I mean, I think the penalty stuff is fair. Um, I just talked about Tyler Smith who had 16 penalties this year. Uh, So, you know, that's something that can be perceived as a negative. I, you know, I definitely think when talking about Trevor Penning, it's something he has to get better at, but I also do think it's something that kind of can be coached out of him in the right system, right? Like that's one of the more correctable issues as opposed to like, oh, well, I just don't think his anchor is very good, right? Or some of the other things we talked about with guys that are, you know, lower on the list. So for me, uh, I had him at five, you know, you guys have him uh, also in that range as well. So for for me, that's kind of why Trevor Penning still made it. I think the yeah um, the the tough sell for me with Trevor Penning is that you pretty much have to take him in the first round, uh, and then as this is related to the Chargers, like no, like that that's just <laughs> it, it's just a really hard sell in that regard because he's like not. I think he could theoretically play from day one, but I don't think he'd be very like good at it. I think it would take him a while to get in that kind of groove. So for me. Uh, I think he's OT four and, you know, he or OT five, he goes to the right system and, you know, a first round pick could very well be worth it for him uh, for the team that gets him. But it's just very hard to like see him fitting in here as opposed to, um, you know, some of the other skill positions the Chargers really need and could stack up on. Yeah, definitely not into the idea of spending a first round pick on him unless like all the edge rushers and corners are off the board at that point. Like, then like I can talk myself into that. But um, like Alex was saying, I do agree. Like size, athleticism, like there aren't many concerns for me there. It really is just like the penalties and the mentality. So um, that being said, let's get to this upper echelon. I I have a big gap between these um, players. So for example, um, Trevor Penning right now has a 6.53 grade for me. Uh, And Charles Cross, my number three offensive tackle, has a 7.06 grade. So just to kind of highlight where I'm at with this group. So obviously Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Uh, I have him at three. And then I have Evan Neal at two. I have Neal and Cross very close. I have Neal at a 7.08. Uh, and then I have Ikem Iquano Iki for those who are paying attention. Uh, at number one, I have him as OT1. He's a 7.26 for me. Um, I, I think Charles Cross is kind of where I want to highlight here because for whatever reason, there are a lot of concerns on social media about his play strength, about his weight. Somebody told me that they think he weighs like 260 pounds, which I think is absurd. And watch videos with him training Duke and man is like pumping out like 20 pull-ups and he's doing all the snatches and stuff. And, you know, Rashawn Slate was Duke's guy, right? Like for any video that Mm -hmm. Duke would put up of offensive linemen doing drills or lifting, it was always Slater. This year, it's always Cross. Like, he is training with Evan Neal. He is training with Trevor Penning. But every time that Duke posts a video, it's always of Charles Cross. And so, not that that's, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, I do think that there are some concerns um, with Charles Cross. You know, I think lowering a player because of scheme is bullshit. But he has, like, 
blocks like 10 running plays a game because he plays for Mike Leach. Like there's just not a ton of reps in terms of the run blocking. And that shows, I do think he is an explosive athlete. I think he is a fluid mover. And frankly, I don't see any of the anchor concerns. I don't see any of the strength concerns that people are talking about on social media. For me, for my money, Charles Cross is the best pass blocking tackle of this group. I know it's kind of a common take, but I do think that there is a lot to like there. You know, he started for two years at Mississippi State. He's a very young player. He redshirted in 2019. Um, But, you know, he made a huge jump up for Mississippi State in terms of pressures allowed. He allowed 44 pressures in 2020 as a redshirt freshman. And then this year, just 16. So, you know, you look at Sydney and college and that's a lot, but then look at him allowing 16 pressures on like 780 snaps or whatever, which is by far the most of any of these guys. So I think you look at the traits that he displays. I think you look at the pass blocking technique and really like who he's training with and him being the guy for who he's training with. There's a lot to like for me and for Charles Cross. And so that's why he's three. If for whatever reason he falls past 10, the Chargers have to do <laughs> everything possible to trade up and get him and slate him next to Rashawn Slater because I think that would be highway robbery. He should absolutely be a top 10 pick. Yeah, he's Charles Cross is awesome. And I, again, I, the questions about him with the power, with the anchor, you know, do I think he's as, as good as some of the other guys, the two ahead of him, in my opinion? No. But I, I was just surprised to watch him versus like Alabama after hearing those concerns and just see the anchor and power behind him. I, when I heard he just wasn't that kind of guy. I also think, and I think Ben Fennell just posted it yesterday, so he kind of beat me to it. I love that he recovers so well. Like yes. the best tackles like Rashawn Slater, they have a plan B. So it's like, even though the initial rep might've been lost, they do something to make it a draw in the end. So I think him, like that really, really stands out to me. And he's just so, so athletic. So great in pass pro. He shut down DeMarvin Liao, who's not like a you know top line edge rusher by any means. Uh, Liao kept trying like four spin moves against him for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but um, you know, he man had him in hell, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, no, seriously. Um, it was, I mean, it was a really good game from him. So, you know, I wish he would like the knocks on him aren't even all that much. I think it's just the more you get exposed to the run game. I'd like he, I don't know if I'd say he's as athletic as Panay Sewell, but he can get in space like him. The difference is Sewell was a freak who could also connect on those plays as well. Yeah. So I'd like to see Charles Cross connect a little bit more on those plays. But overall, I really like him. And yeah, there's just a, such a big difference between him and the guys behind him. He's just such a great pass protector. If he starts falling into that range, because if the Eagles stay in their spot and don't trade for Russell Wilson, they're not going to be taking a tackle, I would assume. So like that's kind of the area if he starts going right before you know if he starts falling right to where the eagles are going to go i guess you could wait for him too but like i would really consider him because at that point he'd probably be the best player on the board yeah uh don't say russell wilson i don't want you to jinx it all right how we already <laughs> sent it in it's just it's just gonna take a couple months to for it to happen but uh no i think um well i i, I guess i'll get straight to my uh three to one here and then we can kind of discuss it but I do have Ike Mekwanu at number three, Evan Neal at number two, and I do have Charles Cross at number one. Uh, wow. So I sort of agree with Steven here. A uh, little bit of an upset. We didn't we didn't plan any of this. Uh, but yeah, I think his what separated him from Neal for me was like uh, what Steven said, which is just his mobility, his athleticism. And like Tyler said, his ability to kind of like lose a rep and then still be in the play. Um, I thought it was really impressive, too. 
Um, I think Neil is like kind of a slam dunk like that. He's going to be awesome, like <laughs> at the same time. But I do think the differentiator for me was a little bit the mobility of Cross versus Neil, I think, is a little bit more of a statue, which isn't like a bad thing, you know, especially if you're a really good blocker, both in the run game and the pass game. Um, but that that is something that is a little bit concerning for me at the next level and kind of why I decided to to separate the two a little bit. Also love Iquanu as well, um, you know, so for me, after those top three guys is when we talked about a perceived drop off. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my top three. That's awesome. What a surprise. I did not expect that for sure. That That's really, really cool. Uh, we didn't get to talk about Iquanu yet, um, and he's not my number one. We'll all have different number ones. So I do want to talk about Iquanu here go. then because... Um, Boy, like when I when I watch all 22, I usually take timestamps while I watch the all 22 for either like a really positive play or a really negative play. So if I have to go back into a film study, I can show something and I always take note of their sacks and everything. Very smart. The only this is the only time I've ever done this with Ikimikwanu versus UNC. I didn't do a time so stamp. <laughs> I, I didn't do a time stamp for the game. I did a time period. I've never done that where I do it was between like 15 minutes to 18 minutes of the game it was just nothing but highlights there was like every 15 seconds there was a highlight play the dude like and i kind of make myself laugh with my notes so i wrote like howards are with legs angry hippo <laughs> like i wrote these things like he is you can't help like I, I mean this honestly when i say that the best prospects to me are the ones that make you jay jonas at jameson laugh while you're watching the ones that just make you chuckle and go oh my gosh oh my like that's it what a, what a play this and that it's it's he does have some issues and I could see why you'd have cross ahead of him, Alex, because like I said, you know, I think like the pass pro is more important than run blocking, but shit, dude, like Iquanu <laughs> in the open field, like it is, you can talk about him, Steven. Yeah. It was a joy to watch him. I'll say that. So um, you have Neil as number one then. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I, I think Neil and Iquanu and cross are all very close. I think it's, a very similar conversation to like the receivers, right? It kind of just depends on your flavor. Um, you know, it being the best pass blocker in terms of cross, I think that's safe. I think Iquanu is the best run blocker that I have ever graded. Like his run blocking is so, so good. And then I think Evan Neal is kind of a bit of both. Like I, I definitely think that there are a little bit of bend issues with Evan Neal, but he's a fantastic player. And he's on Feldman's freak list. If you've seen the video on Twitter of him split squat jumping like a 50 inch box or whatever on Twitter from last year, that was him. That was him, man. So he's going to test like a freak at the combine. I'm a, I I am a little concerned about his weight. Um, not in the sense of Daniel Falele or Mikai Becton, but like, I, I wish he could get down in like the 340 range as opposed to the 350 range, just be that much more of an athlete. But, um, I'm going to throw this out there because I generally hate player comparisons because I don't like, I'm, I'm not okay. super familiar with like everybody. Like yeah. I'm not going to throw a Lane Johnson tag at Bernard Raymond just because he's white. And because he plays, he's going to be a right. Are you going to say Trent Williams? No, I'm going to okay. say Jason Peters for Icky. Oh, okay. The way that Iquanu moves and the way that Jason mm-hmm. Peters moves are so, so similar to me. And I mean, we don't have college offensive tackle take from Jason Peters, but I think athletically they're just so, so similar. And the way that they run block, it really gave me strong Jason Peters vibes. And that's my comparison. That's like one of the few that I'll throw out here. 
but I love Iki Iquano, man. And I think that there are definitely concerns in terms of a pass protector. Um, he ended up, let me make sure I have this right. He ended up 13th on our composite ranking list that Tyler compiled. So, you know, the pressures aren't great. Penalties aren't great, but I think those are correctable issues. It's not like he has an anchor issue. It's not like he has pad level issue. It's more of just hand placement technique. And he can improve in that. But he is by far the best run blocker that I have graded over the last year, three years. And that includes Tevin Jenkins. That includes Trevor Penning. That includes Sam Cosme, who was a big fan of in that regard. And so I love Icky, man. Icky is a fantastic player to me. Yeah, he kind of moves like Jason Peters ten years ago. Not, not, not. The, yeah, not, not the Jason Peters. Most recent, the most recent <laughs> episode of Jason Peters. Uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, I, I completely agree. It, like the the most underrated thing I think about him is just the fact that he is that size, and we can talk about like him even cut down size and all that. But like the fact that he's that big and can get to the second level frequently as he does is just insane to me. And in addition to being this like guy that can move just side to side in the run game. Um, and almost run sideline to sideline is just like that. That part of it's nuts. Yeah, and he's a fantastic. He's just, it's too much fun. Between picking between my top two was very very difficult. Um, and I'll I'll get into that. So for three at number three, I do have Charles Cross of Mississippi State. At number two, Ike Mikwanu, and for number one for me is Evan Neal from Alabama. Uh, as you talked about in the composite rankings, with those guys being a little bit lower, Neal just checking that box for me. And being the best of these three there, the composite rankings does make me feel good. This is a guy who, this is really his first season as a left tackle. In 2019, starting left guard. 2020, you know, right tackle. And 2021, you finally get to be, you know, the starting left tackle. And man, like, I, I really like watching this guy quite a bit. And I'll start with the negative first. The, the most, the thing I, I thought was the most negative, I guess, from him was that tendency to lunge in the, in the run game yeah. and that edge wretches were able to take advantage of it. And so the reason he's my number one, and this is a bit of projection here, is because when I finally listened to Duke and Brandon talk about the offensive lineman and Evan Neal, they specifically referenced that that was his biggest issue. And Duke basically came out and said, we've taken care of that. And now to me, I, I have to believe him because of what he did with Prashawn Slater and because he kind of knows what he's doing. Sure, he's going to sell his guys. But to me, if that's my number one issue with him, and they have identified that and solved that, then I feel very comfortable putting him at number one. Um, there are a couple of issues, you know, with stunt ID. Um, I think he got better as the year went on. I think earlier in the year, he struggled just a little bit as the year went on because it was his first year as a true left tackle the whole year. I think he got a lot better. Um, of the sacks that he allowed, there was only, there was one earlier in the year. I forget who it was against. It was like a six, seven second play, but the quarterback held onto it for a long time. And then he gave up the sack. I don't really count that against him. And so the only real sack that he allowed all year was the final play of the college football season, which is so annoying that he made it all the way to the end. <laughs> and it was literally the last game of the college football championship where he just overset a bit. The edge rusher, I think, split the guard and, and Neil, and he gave up a sack. So to me, you know, the powerful drive that he has from his hips, his powerful hands, him being surprisingly nimble. I think generally he's rarely out of place, a strong whistle, the whistle guy. Um, I don't, I think he's better at moving to the second level forward than left to right when in the run game. So I think that, yeah, like some of the movement issues, maybe even weight are a bit concerning, but I just think he does everything so well. And if the one weakness was identified, I'm sold on him and just watching him play. There's a couple of times where a, an edge rusher or somebody will have their hands on him 
And Neil is mostly winning the rep. And then he'll just take his hand and do this to the defender's arms. And he'll, <laughs> the defender just goes horizontal in the, in the yeah. pass rush rep. It's like, whoa. I mean, he's just and, – and the last thing is that I guess during the training with Duke, Duke is like apparently Evan Neal has no chill. And he has to have Evan Neal calm down. Like not calm down, but take that edge off. Apparently he's just playing with this intense edge. So the numbers check out, the frame, the program – working with Duke, the edge, all that really checks out for me. So it feels sort of safe to go Evan Neal. I could see why any of the other two guys would be ahead of him. But to me, I feel the most comfortable with him at number one. But all three guys are fantastic. They really are. And I like that we had each a different number one. I was Wouldn't not have expecting that. Um, you know, Evan Neal, I think, is a fantastic player. I think he probably should be the number one pick just because of what, who is picking there and what they need. Um, you know, I think I'll probably have Hutchinson and, and Kayvon Thibodeau probably rated a little bit higher than, than him. Um, maybe Kyle Hamilton as well. We'll see how that one pans out. But, you know, I think Evan Neal is safe. I think he is the best balance of the two. And I've seen some Tristan Wirfs comparisons out there for Evan Neal. And I honestly don't hate that. Like I said, normally I do hate player comparisons, but I do see a lot of Tristan Wirfs there. I think he's probably a little bit bigger and stronger um than worse which is kind of crazy to say but i mean evan neal is really really good and i think if you watch both of their games against georgia i think you see a little bit of improvement in the second one i know he gave up a sack but i think he played better in the college football playoff against georgia than he did in the sec championship game and so i think that kind of shows where he's at too so he, he's somebody that i think is really is a really quality tackle prospect for sure um let's talk about some players that we like outside of the top 10 or some uh just misses for me I, I think um you know somebody in the chat had a question about Kenyon green earlier mm -hmm. i think Kenyon green is pretty firmly a guard i think that's where he played his best that's where he started uh most of the seasons and most of the games for texas a&m really really like the player but i think he is a guard um the tough one for me was sean ryan from ucla mm -hmm. um plays left tackle i think he has good tape not great tape and i think you just look at his frame and just kind of the lack of athleticism i think he is a guard convert for me i haven't fully decided that one yet but um you know he does have good tape i thought he played pretty well against Kayvon thibodeau again in oregon um ucla though please like don't ever block edge rushers with your tight ends like that was just like what are you doing um but sean ryan was a little tough for me to place and, you know, we'll see how he tests. He's a guy, another guy that I think needs to probably um, drop some weight. But uh, we'll see. That's that's kind of the guy I wanted to mention here. Yeah, I have not watched him, so I couldn't say much about him. I am back and forth with Cordell Volson, a guy that he, he's number one in our composite rankings. but From uh, North Dakota State. From North Dakota State, yeah. So, I mean, he and like penning light i guess he checks a lot of the boxes and he dominates a lot of his competition statistically he performed well he has that tenacity you know he's strong hands good strength and anchor to me it's just like i see a guy i hate watching tackles block horizontally and lead with your head and shoulders into run blocks on the outside <laughs> which is that problem that Equanu, you know fixed and admitted that he had fixed you know a guy that i, just, I didn't think he was all that light but there's a lot of there's a lot of good there so him um, Kellen Deesh from Arizona State, just a kind of an average set of traits guy that, you know, I think could be good. Um, I do have concerns that he played at Texas A&M or he barely played at Texas A&M 
Then he transferred to Arizona State, and he still barely played in that first year, and then finally started that second year. I don't know how often guys have to wait again and then play that second year. So, you know, I'm not in love with a lot of these guys out here. We already talked about Rashid Walker. Spencer Burford is probably going to be a guard. So that's kind of all I got for the guys outside the top 10. Yeah, as far as guys outside top 10 uh bernard raymond uh hope he hope it works out for you buddy <laughs> in the nfl i hear he's good uh, yeah. i heard he's good i i'll actually mention his teammate uh luke gedke I, I think he's kind of an interesting one that can kind of you know either have that uh, offensive tackle guard flexibility a lot of people see him as a guard potentially in the nfl um you know had kind of an you know missed a lot of 2020 with an injury came back for 2021, but then when he got invited to the senior bowl, got hurt again, unfortunately. So the thing that really kept him out of my top 10 was injury concerns as well, like kind of clarification on what a lot of people see his position as. Um, so, but there, there's, I do think a decent amount of potential there. Uh, and I did have a to where and then he was outside of the top 10, but you know, it's one of those honorable mentions. I feel um, just kind of, very technical, does things well, but, you know, also didn't impress at the senior bowl and doesn't necessarily have like that sexy offensive tackle appeal, just sort of like good. So that's kind of why he ended up on the outside looking in for me. But I, I don't think by any means that he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up having a good career as well. Like he was one of those guys that can develop uh, pretty quickly into what some people envision him as. So, um, yeah, those were some of my honorable and dishonorable mention for Bernard Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I totally get it, but um, I think Braxton Jones from Southern Utah, I think, is an interesting one. Actually, grew up like two minutes from my house, which is kind of crazy. Went to uh, Murray High School in Utah, um, so there's there's some intrigue there. I haven't been able to watch any of his All Twenty Two or anything like that. I thought he played okay at the Senior Bowl. I thought that of like the like the lower end of the spectrum tackle. I thought he probably was the better one there in terms of like him versus Spencer Burford or the, the one from North Dakota, not North Dakota state. I forget his name um, that had like the bright green helmet. Tyler, I don't know. If well, let's go. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to watch him. I'll, I'll get Rashid Walker 2020 on, on my docket as well. We'll kind of see how that one pans out. Um, but yeah, I mean the tackle class, yeah. thins out early and then uh of course got to shout out my guy bam olaseni sorry i, I was gonna ask you about Utah. him yeah. <laughs> um so bam olaseni um is somebody that I, I think is a very intriguing day three candidate he definitely exceeded expectations you know i had a conversation with uh brendan weissman about him and, and his performance at the shrine bowl he thought that bam did not do very well at the shrine bowl but that's not the reports that i heard from other people so i'm I'm curious there. Um, he's only basically got one year of tape. He, like Raymond, was a very late start. He's from London. Uh, if you can imagine a six eight behemoth human being playing soccer, that was him in middle school and high school. And then uh, his soccer coach was like, hey, you're kind of too big for soccer. Maybe go play football in America. Um, and so he, he did it. He only had one year. They tried to start him in 2019. His first game was against Joe Tryon. It did not go well. <laughs> um, and he was a backup in 2020, had some weight issues. And then this year, uh, started the whole season. And honestly, like I said, exceeded expectations. He's got a massive, massive wingspan. I think the highest at the NFL combine. 
uh, will have, except he didn't get an invite, which I think is bullshit. Um, and he is six eight, so he's kind of like that Daniel Falele size, kind of weight, speed, length thing. But mm-hmm. as a day three uh, target, I think there's some intrigue. Not for the Chargers. Don't think he's a scheme fit. Much more of a power scheme blocker. But uh, had to mention him. Then I'll mention one more guy. Then well, two things. One, I'll mention Spencer Burford just one more time because Cameron Cameron Thomas had 77 pressures on the year, and he had four more pressures in every single game the entire year this year except for that game against UTSA where he had zero. And part of that is because of Burford. So that is a game to check out. And then I do have to mention a guy that I interviewed, Donovan Jennings. I was surprised. You look at some guys that are projected to be either priority free agents, undrafted free agents, um, you know, maybe late picks. Donovan Jennings from South Florida. I was surprised at the way he could move. And the game that I watched was him against Cincinnati in 2020. That wasn't obviously 2021, but a lot of the same guys. And I was impressed with what I saw. So him... I didn't get a chance to do a whole lot of study. He does grade out well for Pro Football Focus. I just don't take a lot of stock into that. Um, I think he was like top 12 on the tackles this year, but I was impressed with him. And he's a guy that can move. I think it's a guy that you could keep an eye on later on. Where is he from? South Florida. Okay. That's right. All right. Well, uh, that's our tackle class. Of course, went uh, longer than I thought we would, but uh, you know, that's all in good fun. So, um, Alex, any final thoughts before we head out for the evening? Yeah, no, I uh, I think Tyler mentioned Devin Neal and his uh, mean streak. And, you know, he's probably going to end up in Jacksonville, right? You know, so I think uh, you don't want to have uh, too much of a mean streak down there. But compared to the last guy uh, who was in Jacksonville, you know, I think that, I think stealing a bike uh, would be, you know, preferable to, you know, kicking and doing all the other <laughs> stuff Urban Meyer did. So wish I all the best of luck in Jacksonville. <laughs> and well at least he gets to play for doug peterson now and not the other guy <laughs> best coach ever oh, god, that's such an upgrade <laughs> oh god he has but he has mike mccoy oh no he's a quarterback coach never mind okay not an offensive coordinator otherwise he's running draw yeah. plays all day so never mind <laughs> uh my final thoughts figure this out in free agency but if you find a guy later on i could see why some of these guys you could fall in love with some of these guys later on i just don't like them at 17 so finding a guy in free agency finding someone like a max mitchell later works out for me can't wait to talk about edge rushers yes so we'll uh we're gonna do a mock free agency on sunday so that's gonna be a lot of fun hopefully you guys tune in for that one uh and then next wednesday a week from yesterday we'll do edge rushers so that will be great as well and we are so close to getting some clarity man we're i think uh 19 days away from the start of free agency which is gonna be a lot of fun so Um, That's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, listening to our conversation on the offensive tackles. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. Let us know in the comments. I know we had some strong feelings about um, Max Mitchell tonight in the chat, so that's always a lot of fun. Um, If you're listening to the audio version of this, please leave a rating or review. We do always really appreciate that. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find us. So, um, Like I said, that's going to do it. We'll see you guys next time.